It's time for the Talent Talk Radio Show, brought to you by People G2, a nationwide leader in background checks and employment screening solutions. People G2 gives their clients access to the best human capital management and due diligence tools available. They are dedicated to helping their clients with all of their people-related decisions. To learn more, go to www.peopleg2.com. Talent Talk centers on the topics of talent recruitment and management, leadership development, company culture, and employee engagement. These are all timely topics for CEOs, entrepreneurs, HR professionals, and business leaders. We hope that as you tune in to listen each week, whether to the live broadcast or to the podcast on iTunes or iHeartRadio, that you hear something you can take away that will help you grow and impact your career in a positive way. And now, here's the host of the Talent Talk Radio Show, the founder and CEO of People G2, Chris Dyer. Good afternoon, and thank you for tuning in here to the first Talent Talk of 2019. Uh, we had a great uh, year last year. We're hoping 2019 will be even better. So, this is the first time you happen to be tuning into uh, Talent Talk. Welcome. <clears throat> you picked a good one uh, to show up for. And, uh, you know, the reason the show really exists is. I love to talk to talented people who are uh, doing really cool things, have a lot of uh, talent issues or talent responsibilities, and we love to pick their brains and find out the things that they're thinking about, what they're doing, what makes them tick, what has made them successful, so that we all, uh, myself included, and everyone who's listening can learn from that and hopefully take something back to their own careers, back to their own lives, uh, even into their own families, wherever it may be, wherever that advice can, uh, that advice can percolate into. So, um, in fact, a lot of the uh, great people we've had on this uh, on this show over the years has culminated into a book uh, that I released last year, The Power of Company Culture. Love to have you check that out and get on Amazon or wherever you pick up your books. Um, and it was really inspired by many of the great stories over the last five years um, that we've had with uh, different people uh, coming into the studio or connecting with us around the world uh, via the, the power and amazement of technology. <clears throat> so Talent Talk is live every Tuesday, 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, as I mentioned, and it can be accessed, though, as most of you get it, on the podcast on iTunes or on iHeartRadio, uh, finding us through many different uh, mediums. Over 10,000 of you a day are coming in and downloading one of our shows and listening, and we really appreciate all of the love and support. Please make sure you subscribe. And, you know, this year I'm going to ask if you have a show that you like, please share it on, you know, LinkedIn or Facebook, wherever it is that you like to share that kind of stuff. We'd love to have you share an episode that maybe you really liked and what your thoughts were, the advice that you got out of it, uh, so we can help share that with everyone else. Um, finally, uh, before we get to our uh, guest here today, we do uh, make sure we live tweet the shows. So whether you are listening live or it's after the fact, if you go to at PeopleG2 uh, or if you use the hashtag Talent Talk. Uh, my producer, Mike, uh, does a great job of uh, putting in all the best little comments and tidbits and things, and, and it will all be there. And you can find the guest uh, handles if you want to ask questions or add your own comments and commentary uh, to the discussion. Um, so my guest today will include uh, Dana Gilchrist, the founder and CEO of They Hype Agency. And then we'll bring in uh, Ray Steidel, uh, the chief people officer for Monogram Foods. Uh, Ray, Ray will join me in the second half of the show after we do a little commercial break. But let's go ahead and bring in my first guest, uh, the first guest of 2019. You have that distinction. Uh, welcome, Dana. Woohoo! 
what a distinction. Thanks so much. <laughs> Why don't you tell them a little bit about yourself? Uh, you know, what's important for us to know about you as it relates to our conversation today? And of course, we all want to know more about uh, what y your company does and how you got started. Absolutely. Um, so we are, so Hype is an event staffing and execution agency. And I know that sounds sort of like a mouthful for people that don't know what it is. Um, but basically we provide talent, which we call them brand ambassadors, to our clients uh, to promote their products and services um, across the country. So, you know, one of our, like a good example of it is in the ne next couple of weeks, we have the Super Bowl coming up and uh, we will have brand ambassadors on the grounds during Super Bowl Live when everybody's out there um, to see their favorite, um, you know, their favorite teams play. Um, beforehand, they can come, you know, six days before the Super Bowl actually hits and it's called uh, Sponsor Village and people can go out and check out tons of different products and brands that are premiering for the new year. Um, so we work with the telecom company and we put on some pretty awesome activations uh, we have um, outside of just showing, showcasing the products that they have. We have um, big um, name acts that come out. Um, we have signings that happen. So it just makes a cool consumer experience. So um, I know break it down if you ever got a protein bar from someone at an event or signed up for a freebie. <laughs> uh, that right. was probably probably one of our people. So you're welcome um, for cool. meeting you when you're at one of your events. So um, yeah, we, we like to say we bring our clients' ideas to life. So that's really um, what hype. Yeah, all about. I can't remember if it was last year or the year before when it was in Minneapolis, uh, and I was there just be like a week or two before the Super Bowl actually started, and there was all those kinds of things that I'm sure I ran into your people then. Um, yep. They were doing all giving out all kinds of things, doing out you know there was all these people you know, promoting different products and services, kind of being those brand ambassadors, even hoping little, you know, competitions, you'd win a t-shirt or whatever it may be. And, you know, there were places like the Mall of America all around that place. It wasn't necessarily at the stadium. Um, and so it kind of added to the excitement. So it's really exciting to to kind of put a, 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 a name to the, you know, to, to what I experienced, which I thought was a really cool thing, and I didn't know where it came from. So that, that's yeah, really neat. No, yeah, that, yep, we were there last year. Um, we'll be there again in Atlanta this year. And, um, you know, the idea is, is really getting products and services direct to a consumer so they can taste it, touch it, feel it, you know, feel it, um, see it for firsthand. So our, our talent is so important to us because they're the people. Our, our, our clients are either the XP, the experiential agencies that come up with the big ideas, um, or the brands themselves, but then we handle all of the staffing. So we handle all the brand ambassadors. So the people that have that final point of contact with the consumer, the brand and the consumer is, is who we train and who we put out there. So um, obviously we find that to be like the most important touch point when they're building out these large marketing campaigns. Um, and that's what we get to do every day. So um, we are the, we have been awarded the best of staffing um, by Career Builder for five times in a row. Um, we just recently got um, 2017's Inc. 5,000 fastest growing company. You know, we've been, we're, we're, we have a location in New Hampshire and California, so um, we were top in New Hampshire. Um, so we're really proud of the work that we do. And um, I know, you know, company culture and um, values is so important to you. And as a company, even though, you know, we're, we are a smaller business, um, we've created systems and processes to really reward our employees and keep unique benefits and encourage our, our own staff um, to be part of our family and have this close-knit family. And what that does is kind of creates that passion that we show when, we're, when we have our brand ambassadors and our staff out in the field. So we're, we love it. Yeah, and um, it sort of 
I guess maybe we should start with, you know, how, how did that even come about for you? Because it sounds like a really unique uh, type of uh, a scenario. I mean, I can imagine a company coming and saying, you know, can someone just do this for us? Or maybe you guys re- reverse engineered it and said, we know that companies need this at particular times of gotten off for a service. So what was sort of the impetus for you guys to, to really put this together and, and start offering this very specific service to, you know, these uh, to these types of events and, and for companies? Sure. Um, so we, I actually was on the reverse. Um, so I worked at an experiential marketing agency, um, and we came up with the ideas. Experiential marketing or tr- um, non-traditional marketing, guerrilla marketing, is really the, the type of marketing, the um, sphere we're in. You know, there's traditional, which is your commercials, your billboards, your ads, and then we're kind of on that opposite side. We're the face-to-face marketing. Um, I worked for a company out in Los Angeles, um, a really large marketing agency, and just saw a huge disconnect in at the time because it was so early on in this this new industry focus um, where we were using quote unquote you know temp staffing agencies to fill these bodies and they didn't understand it wasn't about just having a person out there it was about having a brand representative so we would build out you know these large campaigns with big brands New Balance Coca Cola Nike Verizon Wireless like these are brands that have residents and you know pe- the people knew who they are and um, we would be reaching out to staffing partners, and they would just kind of fill a warm body. So um, I had gone to um, my, my CMO at the time and, and said that we really need to build up this department. We need, we, we need to have these brand ambassadors. We need to have people that are focused on this. And it was already starting to take traction. Like, there were really strong agencies out there. Um, and, you know, he had great advice. He said that if you build it for us, you know, we will own it. If you build it yourself, um, I'll make sure that we're your first client. So right off the the bat, you know, I was able to leave my cushiony job and my comfortable paycheck, and um, it was still a huge risk, but I was able to take them on as a client, and so we were able to really kind of bridge this gap of finding folks that were promotional marketing-focused people that could be put out there and be brand representatives for these brands and interact with consumers, tell them about new products, like if it's Verizon Wireless, what the new phones are, um, you know, convert them to convert the sale for them, um, you know, and just hype up the brand. Basically, I mean, that's where the hype agency came from, right? So we're hyping up products, we're hyping up brands, we're getting people excited about something. And a lot of it um, is not about sales on, on the floor, as you saw with the Minneapolis example. It's about creating buzz and awareness about a particular brand. So g- just getting people excited, um, keeping that name, you know, close to what they're doing um, and, and re- so that they remember it next time throughout the store. Yeah, and that's such an important part. And I'm very unique um, to certain products and services where that the brand awareness is is the, you know such an important part. Whereas for other you know uh, companies, making actual sales might be the most important thing um, at an event or at a particular um, you know opportunity for for their own brand out there. And it sounds like you guys kind of have a real idea of which which of those things are the most important. So I'm more, sort of wondering, you had that opportunity to to. to to go off on your own um, or stay in the safety of a, of, of a big co. Um, and you, and you chose the, the, the brave choice. Um, maybe what were some of the mistakes that you made, you know, early on, especially in hiring or maybe around, around culture and things like that? What were some of the kind of the, the hard lessons to learn as you began? Yeah, well, I think one of the hardest lessons is that not all companies want to pay you. (laughs) And I think, you know, um, when you're getting a paycheck and you work for a larger company, and, 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 you know, now I'm able to give that 
haven to my employees, um, you know, they get a paycheck. And I think the hard lesson that I had um, was, you know, I was able to land a pretty big deal out of, um, you know, just a few, this wasn't the company that I worked for, but another company that we started working with. And, um, you know, we, we were paying the staff because it was a large event. It was for um, a, a very big television show that was coming out. Um, and we did, we, I mean, we were so excited. It was a slam dunk. We did a great job. We were so happy. It was going to give us great, you know, PR. We could put it on our, on our website. Um, and then, you know, that we had to start paying people because they did the job, um, but we hadn't gotten paid yet from our client. And so um, it was a hard lesson of just cash flow and just um, business is business. Don't think, take things personally. Understand that, you know, you're going, I'm going to set up my company to be a certain way and create my own culture and make sure things get done. And we did get paid finally. It took some time. Um, but I, you know, I know I had a couple like hard conversations, you know, with my father and with my accountant and saying like, what am I doing? Like, I can't, I I can't, I can't move this type of money right now. We're a startup. We just started. We don't, we don't have the ability to do this. I assumed I'd get, a, I'd get paid at the end of this event. Um, and, you know, those types of things. But then putting in processes and implementing certain things to make sure that we have the infrastructure to do that. We've never had an issue with not paying someone because we make sure that we set ourselves up for success. We don't take on more than, than we, can, we can carry. We don't, you know, I've, I've stayed lean um, and maintained a business that made sense for us, even when, you know, the glitz and glamour of the events world can come into play. Um, so I think that we've, I've definitely done that. Um, I've made sure that from a hiring perspective, you know, we've always made sure that we were following the rules. I think that's the biggest thing. Um, you know, I think a lot of companies right now in the promotional event marketing world, um, you know, some of some folks are still hiring as 1099 contractors. Um, and we, you know, we decided, you know, halfway through our, you know, we've been in business now 12 years, um, and we decided that we didn't want to follow in that industry trend. We wanted to move to a full W-2 model. Um, so all of our talent, whether you work an hour for us or you work with us for a year, um, you are a W-2 employee of ours. So we completely onboard you. Um, we make sure that we have all the right insurances. We make sure that our clients, our big brands that are behind us, are protected. Um, so we've created sort of our own, you know, because field staff, can, it's, it can be a contract world. And, but the, with the labor laws and everything that comes into place, we wanted to be, a, we wanted to be smart about it. Um, so I think I, you know, kind of took bits and pieces of my, my experience in, in big corporate America. I took my experience with kind of just coming out and learning what can happen right away and then kind of how I wanted to shape hype and making sure that it maintained to be that same philosophy and, and vision from day one, which we've continued to do through um, right through the end. So. And, and then, you know, so it sounds like you made some really important decisions about, you know, um, compliance, you made important decisions about cash flow, sort of that, that's the real business side of it. Um, but maybe the more touchy feely part would be, you know, how did you really develop and decide what your culture was going to be like? Uh, there's, there's so many different examples of great culture out there. Um, you can be, you know, attention to detail. You can be highly creative. You can be highly, you know, more motivational or rah, 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 or whatever it may be. And, and, and there are different, you know, companies out there doing different types of, of things really well. So how did you guys ultimately decide what that was going to be? Um, and have you stuck with that or has that evolved over time? Sure. Yeah. I mean, our culture directly affects 
like reflects who we are as a company. So um, I think a biggest thing is lead by example. I say it all the time. Um, I, you know, I, I live it. Um, so we're extremely passionate people when it comes to what we do, you know, and sometimes what we do is, is, is hard work and it's grueling. Um, but from a culture standpoint, I think that, you know, creating a company culture makes sure it keeps everybody in line with what you want that work environment to be like, right? You want people to enjoy spending time here. You want them to be coming to work. Um, we've always said we love what we do. Um, we do what we love, right? We're, we are, we had that, we've put that out there um, and we live it. Um, so I, I, and I'm, I lead by example. So I come into work every day um, with a smile. I, I absolutely, everyone knows I love what I do because I, I say it all the time, but I also, um, they can see it when I'm talking about the work that we do. Um, when we have new clients, we're very picky about the clients that we get so that they are in line with what our culture is. Um, you know, I think that the energy that um, my employees expect of me, they deserve that. That's, that's, the, that's the culture that we've kind of built here. Um, so we reinforce our core values regularly. We actually hold everyone accountable to them. Um, we make sure we have regular meetings about it. So on top of having weekly uh, meetings on what our active programs are, what's on the, the books, we also talk about our core values. Like what, you know, how are we meeting those core values? And I have those meetings on a monthly basis um, and make everyone talk about them. And we talk about, we, we keep it open to make sure that everyone is being respectful, that they're holding themselves accountable for what we do every day, um, that we remain passionate because that is our competitive at, um, advantage to our clients. So if, we're, if all of a sudden we come in and we just don't have that excitement that we used to have or we're not showing, we're not putting that attention to detail that we always do, well, somebody else is going to take the other, the, that job from us. So um, we, we, um, even as, as a small company, I think we've always kind of created that. We've always kept everybody, um, that we, and we have the, ton, the fun stuff, you know. We, even in our, our, um, you know, our handbooks, it talks about how much we love birthdays and how much we care for each other. And I think those things, like, if you don't fit into that, you're not going to fit into our culture. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, often it's about, you know, deciding what your culture is and what it's not. Um, even if it's not the best, you might not be making the best choices, but at least you've made some choice. And I see so many organizations out there that don't re haven't really defined it um, in any capacity. It's just sort of kind of what the version of the CEO's personality and kind of a version of, you know, the people that are in there, but it's very unintentional. Um, and so just uh, just making that at first initial intentional decision about what we are and what we aren't uh, so people can opt in and opt out is often a really important factor. Um, I think yep. The other uh, other factor is that leadership is, you know, uh, caretaking the company in the right way and making sure that, you know, we're we're leading the organizations in the right way. But we're, we're looking out for things that could be coming. You know, are there, are there things that that maybe keep you up at night or things that tend to pop up or maybe recently have popped up that you've had to really think about or put on your radar to make sure that they're dealt with and maybe not only to share how you dealt with it, but also maybe other CEOs out there might be thinking, of, should be thinking about these things as well. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I'd say I have a lot of the same concerns like most small business owners have, you know, retaining good talent. Obviously, you know, I, I, we have a great team. Um, we're very, um, we are close to L.A. and we're close to Boston, right? So we have the ability to, to grab from some of the best pools of talent. Um, but maintaining that talent and keeping them um, motivated and staying competitive in today's world. Um, managing cash flow, which I've talked about. But, I mean, I, you know, again, we work, you know, we're very fortunate to work with some very big brands and very big companies. Um, but that sometimes puts us at a disadvantage because, 
because we're a small company, so we're not always the first to be paid, or um, they have 120-day terms, so, which a lot of them now do, um, which is almost unheard of, especially from a staffing perspective, because we have to pay our staff on a weekly and biweekly basis. So just making sure that those things are staying in place, and those types of things I think everyone does. Um, I would say one of my biggest concerns is the actual cost of doing business and being a business owner. Um, those two things, I, I'm, I'm also a mother. Um, you know, I, I think I, from the cost of doing business side, you know, we have offices in California and New Hampshire, um, and we're dealing with labor laws and regulations are constantly changing. Um, so just managing um, regulations in general can be difficult for doing business, you know, rising labor costs, increasing paperwork, restrictions, um, in general, just keeping up with all regulations that you might not even be aware of. So we're always adjusting, making those necessary changes to our business. Um, and I have a great team of people to do that. Um, but I think my, as, as the, the owner and like the captain of the ship, I'm always, you know, I just want to make sure we're always ahead of the curve with those types of things. Um, and then, you know, being a business owner, being a mom, um, balancing all the other things and making sure that I'm doing it all right. I think as a, uh, you know, I think we as, as owners or founders, we, we branch out to do this and like follow our dream and then we want everyone to be a part of it. So we also want to make sure that it, it stays afloat. Um, so I'm, I mean, what doesn't worry me? <laughs> right. <laughs> That's the, uh, the, the fun of being the CEO or, be, you know, or being one of the leaders in the organization. So, you know, maybe where are you uh, looking to draw uh, inspiration from this year? What are some of the things you're thinking about? Well, uh, I, I always say people. I surround myself with, whether it's work, home, I at the gym, when I go to the grocery store, um, I feed off of energy of others. So, um, and it's kind of no coincidence that I ended up running a company that was all about people because they are definitely are the foundation of what makes me tick. So I, I, I think, you know, we have the most incredible employees and clients and I love walking through the door. Um, I find that work-life balance is, is, is very important with my husband, my two boys. Um, you know, if I can get in a good workout, so those types of things, like having that balance of being able to come in here and crush my goals at work and, and be here with the people that inspire me, whether it's clients or, or my coworkers and my colleagues, um, or then outside, you know, being able to go through new adventures with my children and doing that type of thing. So I really feed off of, um, I always have my, I always say, I always have my eyes and ears open because there's always opportunity for inspiration and you never know where you're going to get it. Um, I am, I'm an extrovert. By, by nature, so I talk to everybody. Like, you know, when I'm on the plane, I'll be, on, I'll be going to L.A. next week, I'll be on the plane, I'm probably going to be that person that's sitting next to you talking to you. Um, so sorry if you don't like that, and put your headphones on if you see me coming down your lane. Um, but I definitely, I think I, m- most of my inspiration just comes from the people and places I go to. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm glad that you've sort of, uh, you know, clearly recognized that you're an extrovert. Uh, I think, you know, as a card carrying extrovert myself, it's, um, I think it's better just to, to be who you are. And uh, you're right, if, if someone doesn't want to talk to you on the airplane, they should put their headphones on. <laughs> You know, what's, um, so what's next for, for your uh, agency? What are you guys looking to do here in 2019? And, um, you know, other you know, sort of the you know, big goals or big things that are, are happening. Now, obviously, the Super Bowl is coming up, so you want to survive that. But uh, beyond that, what are you looking for? Yeah, I um, you know, always looking for growth, but not necessarily in size. Just in um, continuing to understand the industry and see how it goes. Experiential marketing in at 
in general is always evolving, right, which is exciting. And so we love that. So we're staying, um, we're constantly staying on the cusp of evolution. Um, We do, we are excited that we are launching um, a newest version of our, we call it our talent management system. So when we started the agency, um, based in the bread and butter of what we do is finding those brand ambassadors and those event staff is we built a uh, proprietary talent management system where you can go onto our website now, you can sign up, you can build a profile, and you'll see events in, um, in your area when they come up, like the Super Bowl if you're in Atlanta. Um, but we actually, you know, and that was built back in 2006. Um, and we've, you know, re, you know, added to it over the years, but we are finally wiping it clean um, and have a brand new version coming out this year. So that's really exciting. It's obviously technology is huge in, in this in this industry, so um, we're excited to have something that's just updated um, that will work faster for our internal teams, but also for the talent and our clients when they're out there. Absolutely. And uh, one of the things we were kind of asking last year, and we may continue to do it uh, now this year, um, is, you know, is there a gadget or an app or maybe something you're thinking about using here uh, for the new year to help you I don't know, maybe work out better or, or read more or do something better. You know, is, there, is there anything you're kind of taking on that uh, our listeners might think about checking out as well? Yeah. Well, I'll give you two, okay? I'll give you my, my old school one, which is a pen and paper. Like, always have a pen and paper with you. I know that's not an app or gadget in, te- in the tech world. It might be a gadget. That. It might be a gadget. Right? We could. <laughs> have, have that pad next to your, your bed if an idea pops in. Um, have that pad in, your, in your, you know, your backpack when you're on the plane. You might meet with somebody or see something that inspires you that just sparks this idea. Because, like me, I'll forget if not. So I think that's like the old school, which I always have. I write down everything. I write in the morning. I write down my to-dos, and I write down those types of things. But on the tech side, I would say, um, I don't know if you've heard of Slack, the, in, the, oh, yeah. the messaging system. Okay. So we, um, you know, it's not anything new, but we, we use Slack here um, at Hype. Um, and I just think it's great. It's a team messaging application that um, we've used, and you can use it for all walks of life and all different types of industries. Um, but when our team uses it, it's great for us to keep track of our projects. Um, it, you know, for hiring a new employee or reviewing a sales contract, it keeps everything in channels. So if anybody's used it, um, you can share documents through it. It's kind of like Instant Messenger, but it's, it, you know, it's their, their version of it. Um, but it's great because it avoids us to send large group emails to the team that people don't need to be involved with. Um, and it also helps us to um, you know, find information quickly. Like if there was a contract that I know I sent to a team on a certain project, I can go to that channel and find it versus having to kind of comb through my inbox, which can be a little bit crazy sometimes. Um, we also have, a, you know, we put like a lunch channel on there, which tends to be very busy from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. when everyone's talking about what type of, like where they're going to order their lunch. But, you know, it also is used for business. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, we use, uh, we have a water cooler room just for that, right? For all the, the silly things and all the, and it's also the place where we thank each other and, you know, have the pats on the back. So, yeah. Um, what, uh, how can people get a hold of you if they're interested in learning more? Maybe they have a special event or need your services. What's the best way for them to find out more? Yeah, I mean, go to our website for sure just to check out more. Uh, it's thehypeagency.com, so T-H-E-H-Y-P-E agency.com. Um, you can check out our Instagram. Um, it's, you know, back forward slash thehypeagency. Uh, it shows all the events that we have going on. And you can always email me directly. Um, my name, my, you know, again, it's Dana Gilchrist. Um, it's spelled Dana, D-A-Y-N-A, if you're looking for me. Um, but I am pretty active um, on LinkedIn. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm always responding to my emails. But, 
Um, if you ever have, if you think there, you have something out there that we might be a good fit for, you just want to pick my brain, happy to, happy to help. Well, fantastic, Dana. Thank you so much for being a part of the show today and sharing all your insights on leadership and being an entrepreneur and making that big jump. I really appreciate it. And there's a lot of people out there thinking about doing the same thing and hearing these stories can really be helpful. So um, hopefully we have you come back at some point and give us an update on all the cool stuff you're doing. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. All right. I'll be right back after this quick commercial break and I'll bring in my second guest, uh, Ray Steidel. Imagine buying a newspaper and discovering that the news you're reading is six months old. There isn't much that stays the same for six months. And the same thing goes for background checks. In a time when so much outdated information is being passed around, it's good to know that PeopleG2 offers something different. At PeopleG2, we provide today's intelligence, not yesterday's news. Our value-added approach offers you a fully FCRA-compliant solution that includes up-to-the-minute information. By combining industry-leading technology with old-school human investigation, PeopleG2 is able to give you information that is accurate right now, delivered quickly to our online system, or integrated with your HR system. So ask yourself, are you comfortable working with old news, or are you ready for a different kind of background check company? Visit PeopleG2.com or call 800-630-2880. That's 800-630-2880 or PeopleG2.com. Welcome back to the Talent Talk Radio Show. Uh, if you missed my first guest, uh, it was a good one. You can check out uh, the show. It'll be posted uh, here in the next week or two um, on our heart and also on iTunes. And you can uh, listen as well as all the other shows uh, from the last five years. But I'm going to go ahead and bring in my uh, second guest, uh, who is going to be Ray Steidel, the Chief People Officer for Monogram Foods. Uh, we'd love to have you uh, tweet with us, at PeopleG2. Use that hashtag, Talent Talk. Give us your questions, your comments, your feedback. Uh, you can also go to TalentTalkRadio.com and uh, listen to the shows there as well. Um, just really is many, many places to go. Unless you don't have the internet, you don't have an excuse. So anyways, let's go ahead and bring Ray into the show. Uh, Ray, welcome. Listen, Chris, it's great to be on, on the show. Thank you very much. Why don't you tell them a little bit about yourself, uh, you know, what's important for us to know for our conversation today, and of course, tell us all, all about uh, Monogram Foods. Sure. Chris, I've been with the, the company going on uh, nine years now, and um, I, like a lot of HR human capital leaders, I had, I think, a pretty uh, rewarding career working with some large companies, Fortune 50 companies. And um, when I joined Monogram back in 2010, we were a small company. What attracted me to the company was the leadership team here, uh, all veterans of other large companies, wanted to build a company and a culture where we could control and treat people the way they needed to be treated. It sounds awfully simple, but that philosophy and some of the uh, cultural changes we built has resulted in a terrific growth rate over the last nine years, and more importantly, uh, our ability to offer pretty interesting jobs to over 3,000 team members. That's a that's a lot of team members uh, to have in an organization. So I'm going to be really fascinated to kind of hear more about your company and what you're doing. Uh, maybe we could start with what do you attribute, you know, your own continued success, uh, you know, in HR as a human resources officer, you know, over these years and your time there, 
you know, what, what are some of the things that you do consistently, uh, do you think, to keep you successful? You know, I think uh, I have never seen a uh, business environment or a marketplace where companies absolutely have to have their A-game available to attract and retain people. And, 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 and Chris, we, we produce protein meat products ranging from corn dogs to pet treats and multiple plants across the company. And many of our locations are, with the exception of our facility near Boston, sit in rural areas. So we have to be very competitive. We have to listen well. We have to be able to make rapid changes to ensure that our applicant flow uh, permits us the ability, quite frankly, to staff our plants. And I think I think something that I I, re- I learned a lot of years ago was um, I just like to be around people, organizations, and cultures. And I um, I'm approachable. Um, I listen. I think pretty well. And I like to make decisions quickly. And the, our leadership team here is the same way. So when I came on board, I saw a company that I could come into, and we could make rapid decisions, treat people the way we felt they needed to be treated, and be wholly accountable for the success or lack of success within the organization. Yeah, and and that, that can be a really important part uh, for organization, I think, especially the one that has as many people and at different locations and the complexity that you have. I think uh, some people maybe can handle some of those things uh, in one location, right, with a smaller group of people, but uh, having your A game and having those things kind of be important as you as it kind of grows, uh, was that something you felt like you could? You jumped in, you were able to, to start handling right away, or was there an adjustment period for you as coming from you know where you were before to to where you are now? You know, I think um, learning the business, uh, which was a bit different. My background previously had been in beverages uh, with PepsiCo and uh, Pepsi Americas, a couple of large Pepsi-Cola bottling operations throughout the country, but our business is primarily uh, food production. So we're talking about USDA plants, and I really gained an appreciation for how important it is to operate a food-safe plant, which means following food regulations, but also making sure that our really our recipes that we need to follow are followed so our products are performed successfully. And I think, I think the thing that really came to mind that I learned quickly was how critical culture of an organization is. And I, and I think I knew that before, Chris, with the previous employers. But as if you think about it, as, as I joined the organization in 2010 and fast forward today, unemployment rates have dropped dramatically. Uh, it's become more and more important, difficult to attract and retain people. And what we believe the difference is, uh, difference maker in our company is our culture. And when I say that, it's how we treat people, the opportunities we provide them, and our in, uh, uh, willingness to invest in people within the organization so that they can, if they so choose, can climb the career ladder or move from, you know, a location in uh, Virginia, for example, to a location in uh, Harlan, Iowa. And, and, and so... Um I, I guess. <laughs> then, what was the significance there in Iowa? Well, it's just where the plant's located. It's our okay. It's our plant where we produce uh, pre-cooked bacon. So, a lot of uh, protein 
meat-producing companies tend to sit in rural areas of the country. Most people have not heard of Harlan, Iowa. We're pretty proud of that location as we are with our other locations. But again, the challenges of recruiting in rural areas can be uh, very different. And part of our success, I think, Chris, has been recognizing that while our goal is to create individual employers of choice plants, we tend to have to operate differently than we would in Massachusetts, for example, than we might have to in our plant in Texas. It's just it's being being able to adapt quickly to those changes and what attracts people in different locations. In Boston, it may be being able to offer a person a role that's similar to where they are now, but cutting you know 40 minutes of uh, their transportation time down. In another area, it may be completely different. But you know the the, the culture piece. Everyone talks about their culture, but we have kind of a saying here. We're probably I'm probably plagiarizing this comment, but we we say that culture eats strategy for breakfast every day, and that really means that if we take time to treat our team members as adults, which means again to communicate with them, to be honest, to help them, you know, decide what their career track is, we can see pretty tremendous results, and that that that's probably what's been so exciting. Uh, with, with my time here, but also in our abilities to give back in the communities that we operate in. Uh, you know, I think a lot of people like myself in their careers were have been involved in organizations where the employer was involved in participation. I'll use United Way as an example. Certainly a great organization, one that we're all familiar with. But in our organization, we've actually created a charity that gives back to charities that support children in our areas. And what's important is not only the fact that we've raised almost $2 million, but we've gone back and we've asked our team members at the plant, at the point of production, to help us decide where we should give those monies back. And it's just absolutely amazing to see how many times we've been able to give five, ten, fifteen thousand dollars $15,000 to a charity in a particular town that's helped one of our team members, sons or daughters. Uh, you can only do those kind of things and raise that kind of money and uh, support those kind of causes if you're growing and you're doing well and your uh, revenues are increased. And you can't do that without taking care of, a, your, you know, certainly our case, quite a diverse workplace. Right. Well, as we have mentioned a couple of times here, this is the beginning of the year, the at the time of this taping, of this recording. What are some of the things you're thinking about uh, here as 2009, 2019 starts, uh, you know, as challenges or opportunities or things that, you know, you know your company is really going to have to, to work on and think about to be successful? Well, I think, I think we're going to, ha- while we, we've made some good attempts, Chris, to always have a feeling or a pulse on our workforce, um, which takes place by... Pulse surveys, uh, town hall meetings, communication team meetings. We've got to be able to do it more more rapidly and be able to gather information more quickly. So th- that means, um, you know, taking advantage of technology, whether it's a portal on our payroll system or the van- uh, taking advantage of the fact that probably 90% of our team members have access to smartphones or you know, they're, you know, the internet via either from 
their home or you know from some other institution so we're we are we are ready to this in 2019 we have got a plan in place to be able to go out and and hit smaller groups of people at our locations with questions about how we can improve and quite frankly it just amazes me how how often how easy that is once you've got a process up and running and it's little things that make a difference with our team members whether it means being able to change a shift starting time um being able to explain to a team member how they might be able to um incre- you know improve their career or uh meet their career expectations if they're willing to make a physical relo- relocation or it might even be just um setting them up to meet with people in other locations. You know, one of the challenges when you have a fast-growing organization in multiple locations is people aren't always, not everyone in our company can get to all our locations. So we've, we started last year a process where we bring our frontline supervisors in, and we believe they are absolutely critical to the retention of our team members in the plants. And bring them in, and it's not so much what we what we teach them when they're here, Chris, but giving them access to each other and letting them leave with a feeling of they're part of something bigger than they were when they came in. And then access to our leaders, our leadership team, which would include our CEO, our operations, and our sales and marketing leads, and letting them understand kind of what it is that we're interested about and, and continue to drive home our key behaviors. And they're, they're pretty simple. You know, we want to grow our business by taking care of our team members and our customers at the same time. Now, it's a simple philosophy, but it's not always easy to to accomplish. Yeah, it can be really difficult. And, uh, you know, all those different uh, variables can can really um, add a lot of complexity, especially as you're trying to look at it holistically from the seat you're sitting in. But then, as you said, every location and, and, and work group has a different set of ideals, a different set of values, I mean, not values, but uh, uh, things that are important to them that might draw them to, to stay with your company or to even come work or uh, uh, as to, you know, why they want to work uh, for your company on a day-to-day basis. Um, and those being very different from location to location, that's a lot for, for you and your organization to juggle. Um, you know, one of the things, Chris, that, that we've taken, uh, uh, we knew, we've all known as we've grown the business, and, and it's not unusual in our sector they have quite a diverse workforce. And I'm talking about um, people from different parts of the world. In fact, uh, the last time that we we did a, cl- a climate survey, we actually had to interpret it into eight different languages, ranging from mu- multiple African dialects to Mand- Mandarin to um, La- Laotian tribe, uh, tribe language up in from Southeast Asia. And the fact of the matter is having a diverse workforce, in my mind, is one of our advantages. When you pull together a group of people with different backgrounds from different countries with different experiences and you put them into a pool and you give them the same resources, we're convinced that the results are far better than having a a non-diverse workforce. So some some, some people in our sector see that as a a challenge. We see it as a benefit that's helped us uh, with our significant growth over the last uh, 10 years. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, if we look at maybe other organizations, we're, we've been focusing mostly on uh, monogram foods here, but if you look at other organizations, whether it's uh, co- from a competitive analysis standpoint or just in general, do you see areas where maybe they, they traditionally start to lose some of the organizational effectiveness or, you know, the things that you see companies doing that causes them to sort that cycle down that you're actively trying to make sure it doesn't happen on your end? Yeah, you know, I think I think sometimes success breeds um, uh, complexity and additional levels within the organization. So we've always worked very hard here at Monogram to keep our organization very flat. And if I would if I would compare it to how flat it is to previous roles I've had in other companies, it's not unusual for me to, as an example, talk to a you know, frontline team member at a plant that might happen to call in um, seeking information and somehow off our website or off uh, information at the plant, they're able to get my phone number. And there have been multiple times where, I've, you know, I've been able to fix a problem or, or find a solution to an issue that might have made a difference between a team member leaving us uh, or staying and, and feeling like we truly care. So, uh, we, as, as I mentioned, we, we try to stay flat. We try to make sure that the key operating leaders are out to the plants a lot. Um, our support center here in Memphis is a great location. Uh, it's it's one we're proud of, but the real action takes place out at our plants where we need to produce a high-quality product for our customers. And we're really, when you boil it down, we're really a, a company that provides food solutions to our customers. And it a big part of it is the R&D work and the ability to come up with a new product or an idea for a customer that just doesn't have the capital capabilities or the expertise. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, you know, is uh, is there a book uh, that you are uh, reading? We'd love to kind of ask this question of our of our guests, that there's books that sure. maybe you t- traditionally recommend to people or maybe you've recently read that you might recommend to us. Yeah, you know, um, I learned the value of, of uh, talent identification, career planning, succession planning during my days at PepsiCo. And it, uh, this was back in the mid-'80s to late, early 2000s. And I think one of the, dif- one of the difference makers in that company was we, we understood that high, t- taking care, identifying high-quality talent and providing career opportunities could help us meet our, our business goals. And that process uh, was very successful, but it was extremely cumbersome. Uh, it was called human resource planning. It was kind of the World Series for HR every year, and we spent a lot of time and we, we put a lot of work into it. But it requires a lot of support to pull it off during those days. And I'm reading a book called The One page talent manager. The authors are Mark Efron and Miriam Ort. And the real focus is how can companies in in this current date where talent is so scarce, take ideas and simplify them and really uh, establish a talent philosophy, which really boils down to getting getting the leaders of the company to buy in that managing talent will help make meet goals. And a key part of that piece, Chris, is transparency, which is sharing, you know, treating people like adults, 
sharing information with them. We 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 call it, you know, candor done right. But um, taking time, uh, you know, every, every day or almost you know every week, to think about what am I doing to make sure that I've that person that's sitting out at one of our plants who wants to be a plant manager is getting closer to that goal. And it takes, it doesn't happen by itself. It takes uh, specific activities to make it happen. So I'm about 30 pages into the book, and so far I've been very, very impressed. And quite frankly, I'm I'm hoping that it's going to help us simplify our uh, talent planning process here, which which, you know, when you're, whether you're a company with 40,000 people or 3,000 people, knowing who you're, who you need to invest in, in your, with your internal talent and having a pipeline of talent for people as they're starting to retire is absolutely critical. You, you absolutely can't have voids uh, open because you haven't done the hard work of planning. So uh, that's, my, that's my recommendation right now, the one page talent management sounds like a great one to check out uh and final question we're almost out of time here uh is how can people get a hold of you how can they learn more maybe if they were interested in a career uh at your company what's the best way for them to find out more about uh your company we have an awesome website monogramfoods.com it consists of information about the company uh, some really informative videos that talk by location across our seven states that we operate in, videos done by our team members at the plant. And uh, importantly enough, though it's not the prime reason I'm offering up, it does offer a list of our career opportunities. So I'd say if anyone was interested in learning more about us, go to, go to our website and uh, there's information in there how people can reach out to me and other key leaders in the company. We're a great company and we're continuing to grow quickly. Well, fantastic, Ray. Thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, hopefully, we can have you come back at some point and give us an update on all the amazing things that Monogram Foods is doing um, and uh, hear more about you and your career. Chris, thanks so much for this opportunity. All right. Next week, we'll have uh, two more great guests, Tracy Butts, uh, owner of Think Impact Solutions, and uh, Karen Lee, the managing partner of Narrative. So hope you listen and find uh, some great insights into everything into your career and otherwise but until then, do what you love and show the world how talented you can be today. You've been listening to Talent Talk Radio, brought to you by People G2. 